is your Saturday morning source for everything Huskers. Turn, hand it off to Minner, hit in the backfield and drilled. Again, 13's there to make the tackle. Nebraska wins its fifth national championship. Giving you an inside look at everything going on in Husker Nation. This is the KLIN Husker Hour. Strike three call, and the Huskers are the Big Ten Conference champions. Dunstan's got it! Underdog, and an and one! Exclamation point! Now, your hosts, KLIN contributor, Cole Stukenholtz, and sports director, Caleb Henry. Good Saturday morning. Welcome to another edition of the KLIN Husker Hour. It is the last Sunday, or last Saturday, of March. Oh. And we're, we're getting down to the end of the big dance. There's a local team in an Elite Eight. <laughs> yep. Unexpectedly so, to say the least. Uh, uh, a Nebraska team beat two Iowa teams on the way to the Elite Eight. That's all we have to frame that as. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> Let's go with that. A tiny college in New Jersey took down another Big Ten team, and the Big Ten is out of the dance. No teams in the Elite Eight this season for the the Big Ten, and, and I'm sure a, an invitation to the conference is awaiting at St. Peter's door right now. Gotta let us fly. <laughs> 15 seed. Who'd have, who'd have thunk? My my eight-year-old did actually have them in the Sweet 16. I'll just say that. And he still has Arkansas-Kansas in his final. Oh. That's neither here nor there. Okay. Uh, I'm Cole. That's Caleb. Hello. We've got Kenny <laughs> running the Facebook Live at KLIN Huskers. We've got a great show. Jimmy Watkins is going to stop by. He's from the Omaha World Herald. Covers Nebraska basketball. Covered Creighton's run in the NCAA tournament as well. The Creighton men who uh, fell to the last one seed alive, Kansas, mm-hmm. in the round of 32. Uh, we'll talk to Jimmy about the rest of kind of wrapping up Nebraska basketball after we talked with Kent Pavelka last week. A uh, little bit more news this week as last week was more coaching news. This week's more player news. A you whole got, bunch of players on the move. You got guys coming and going. We'll break down all that with Jimmy. Uh, more spring football to get to as as that has continued, but uh, I wanted to start with uh, maybe maybe just briefly renaming the show, changing it from the KLIN Husker Hour to the KLIN Fifth Inning. Oh yeah, that took forever. <laughs> the fifth inning of uh, of what we're looking at right now is uh, that that took almost literally an hour, and you had Michigan setting a Big Ten record hitting four straight home runs, thankfully solo, off Cody Frank. And then Nebraska's offense following that right up with Garrett Anglum getting a three-run double with nobody out starting that inning off. Uh huh. Nebraska putting up, I believe, five in that inning to take the lead right back. That's That fifth inning was ridiculous. The sixth inning almost went the same way for Nebraska's anyway, just based on getting the bases loaded again, getting some free passes, some free runs. Michigan staff had a difficult time finding the strike zone, Well, Nebraska, Nebraska took advantage. Nebraska put three guys on in a row yep. based on a hit-by-pitch Yep. after Michigan had four home runs in a row, four swings of the bat. You don't see that very often, especially in the same inning. I'm just saying, if you would have put some money on that at the War Horse... <laughs> You couldn't have bet on it because it would have been here in the state. But if it, if you could have done that, fair point, you'd have made some money. Yeah, and it was look the the fact that Nebraska gets off to a win to start Big Ten play, especially against the team that they got it against, uh, Michigan, a perceived relatively national power. They're on the cusp of that. They made the College World Series finals in 2019. Well, they're they're ranked. They're the team that's been 
that you as a program have been competing against the last several years for sure, but since you got to the conference, it's been like there have been other teams that have done well, but Nebraska's biggest baseball rival has been Michigan. Like, this has been that program yeah. within the Big Ten Conference that you know you have to come out against them if you're going to want to be competitive in the league, if you want to win the league. So to go win that first one, that's a big deal, especially considering the way last weekend went. Yes. The the A&M Corpus Christi matchup did not end well. Uh, 21 runs in the series finale on 23 hits, the most runs that Nebraska has given up in a series at home since, what was it, 1997? Yeah, it's been a hot minute. Uh, Right when you thought you had starting pitching figured out, Kyle Perry gets the injury. We still don't really know his long-term diagnosis for sure. No. But obviously he did not pitch yesterday. Cody Frank got the Friday night start. Uh, and then Dawson McCarville gives up seven runs, all of them earned, in that Sunday game last weekend against the Islanders. You had you had four pitchers in a row give up double, uh, at least more than one run mm-hmm. in their appearance. Mm-hmm. And then finally, C.J. Hood puts out the fire. You got Drew Christo came in, uh, gave up two unearned late. It, it was It was just not good. And Nebraska couldn't keep pace because the offense wasn't there. So the fact that you get to bounce back and you get a 13 runs against the likely perceived leader of the conference yeah. in the home opener, in front of your fans, it, it's, it's, it's a very good start, and it's exactly what you need mm-hmm. if you're Nebraska baseball because there was not a lot of reason for optimism when you were, when you were kind of flying high after that four-game <laughs> win streak. We were here last week talking about, hey, they found it. They're back. And then Saturday they lose, and then Sunday they crash and burn. Mm-hmm. And then you don't get the midweek game this week due to the weather. And so you go straight from that into the Big Ten opener against the power in the conference. So the the fact that you got the win, regardless of how it may have looked at times with the four straight home runs, you get it, you move on to Saturday and Sunday, you try to get a series, you try to build on it. I think getting the win because of giving up those four home runs in a row where you got down, you were up three to two, four swings of the bat. You're down six to three. Mm. Like the fact that Nebraska was able to immediately turn that around and go take the lead and then not surrender it again. That was a big deal because what we've seen from this team is if they've gotten down, they might be able to scrape a run by, they might be able to go get one or two and make the game closer, but they don't get over the hump. They've had a couple of walk-offs, but that's because they've been right there, you know? But to go immediately take that back and then put yourself with even extra cushion as the game went on, that to me showed a lot of growth, especially against a conference team, because that's who you're going to have to beat. That's one of the goals, is to win the conference. What's happened in non-conference doesn't matter for that. Now, that obviously impacts if you want to host a regional, where you're going to be for that. 
that's going to be pretty hard with the way the non-conference went to this point. Look, if they didn't host a regional last year, it's going to be tough to host it this yeah, year, Yeah, it's, it's going to be pretty tough, unless they, say, like went undefeated in the league. You could rattle off quite a few in a row, but yeah, it's, um, it's tough. So to go and win the way that they did last night, even with starting to give up a little bit in the ninth inning, you had the cushion to do that. Yeah, That's what was most impressive for me last night. We, we talked about this, I don't know if it was last weekend, but maybe the weekend prior, about what you do to to make some changes to to fix what's going on. And one of the things that I thought Will Bolt could do is, you know, me- keep messing around with the lineup, mm-hmm. right? Figure out different ways to get guys into positions that they're going to be successful in. Uh, you saw him mess around with that a little bit last week, last weekend. Uh, Max Anderson, for instance, let off that Sunday game and played first base. Now, yesterday he was back at third and back in third in the lineup as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but but they're they're kind of trying to figure out what pieces fit in this puzzle. Um, Garrett Anglum maybe found uh, a puzzle piece right there in the five <laughs> spot. Uh, six RBIs. He had the big three run double with nobody out there in that fifth inning to give the lead right back to Nebraska after those back to back to back to back home runs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and so. You find a spark from him, and maybe you can build off of that. Um, you're still messing around with some other players at some other positions. Jack Style got the start at first base. Luke Jessen was the DH. Luke Sartori, Core Jackson. Th- those are those are guys who are not entrenched starters, but if they're given their opportunities here, mm-hmm. uh, maybe they can keep that job and run with it. Sartori went uh, had an RBI and uh, a run scored. Uh, also got on with one of those walks. Jack Style drew three walks. Didn't get a hit, but got on base and scored twice. So those are the types of things that if, hey, if if that pitcher is giving it to you, if that's the opportunity to get on and, and get runs in, you have to be able to take advantage. These are These are things that Nebraska has struggled with. Yeah. So the fact that you can be patient at the plate when that other pitching staff is struggling to find the strike zone. That is valuable. That's that's extremely valuable in that you have to be able to win games multiple ways. We were talking about this about Nebraska women's basketball. They can win games multiple ways. That's right. how they made the conference uh, run in the conference tournament. That's how they made the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. This baseball team has to be able to do the same thing, and so the fact that they were able to take advantage of those struggles for Michigan was important. Now, I don't expect that to be the case Saturday and Sunday, obviously Michigan being in the position that they are, being ranked as they are, uh, they are going to have some arms that are going to challenge Nebraska's hitters today and tomorrow. Yeah, it's hard to put up that many runs while getting to and win a game in that way while getting doubled up on hits, sixteen yeah. to eight. That's yeah, very true. Like Michigan, and the ninth inning struggles still continue. By the way, uh-huh. uh, for Nebraska, you still can't uh, you still can't have a, a clean ninth inning. But the fact that they are able to take advantage of that is important, uh, and it's something that you can build on going forward. And look, Shea Shanneman, he's not the Friday night guy, uh, but he may be the best starting pitcher that's active, mm-hmm. if you will, right. right now. And so he's got a chance to keep this thing going. He's had he's got a complete game shutout under his belt, uh, but that's his only win on the season. He's one and three. Uh, Dawson McCarville goes Sunday. He'll have a chance to get that A and M Corpus Christi loss out of his mouth and and change the narrative a little bit. Uh, that game today, two o'clock. It's on Nebraska Public Media. 
uh, before, so you can hear the radio call right here on KLIN, starting at 1.30 with pregame, and then uh, tomorrow it's an 11 a.m. first pitch, so 10.30 pregame right here on KLIN. That one's on BTN. So it, it's good start. This is where the conference season, this is the way the conference season has to go if you want those postseason right. uh, goals to be to be attained. The regional goal is going to be tough, as we've already stated, but you you still have everything else in front of you in terms of conference play, and and to get to start with the favorites, basically, uh, other than yourselves, Michigan's right up there as a as a favorite in this conference, especially since the season started. Uh, it, it's good to see that they are in position now to win a series after getting that Friday victory. Well, and you do still have non-conference games out in front. You've yep. still got Omaha. You've still got Creighton. You've got uh, another Kansas State game. you got a BYU um, quad header. Yeah, so you, you've got some non-conference out there. Um, and the other thing is, there's a lot of top teams that took a bunch of losses during this non-conference. Mm-hmm. Think about how how much, how much many games Texas has lost. They're, they're a really good team. Texas is going to host a regional. They're getting walloped by Tennessee all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Um, they were losing to Texas State in a midweek game. There's a lot of teams that struggled in the non-conference. Yeah. Um, and we've talked about that. I've talked with uh, Greg Sharp about why that is. So maybe the regional's not as far out as it normally would be, um, but you still got to go take care of business. Getting the first one in the conference is a big deal. Absolutely. And... Yeah, speaking of Texas, they lost on a walk-off stolen base of home. That was so funny. Yesterday. That was um, so funny. At the hands of Texas Tech, yeah. How, <laughs> man, how, and and it's it's not like he was facing the other direction. It was a lefty. Or no, it was, it was a righty. It facing, was a righty. righty. It was facing third base. He just had his head down. He, that's the thing. When, you, when you're a pitcher, you have to know when to keep your routine. And yeah. for a lot of guys, their routine is they're going to come set, they're going to look down. You don't do that with a guy on third base. If you're going to do that, your head has to come down in such a way that your peripheral vision... Think about guys looking at someone at first base. Their heads go down. A lot of guys don't turn all the way around. Your head goes down so you can keep that peripheral vision. His head went down in such a way that he had no... straight. Yeah, he completely put the blinders on. And that was great scouting to know that he was going to do that. And that could even be... They got to third base and said, watch what he does with his head here. If he does this on a second pitch, you're gone. Mm -hmm. And it's... It's little league, like like you should know. <laughs> you should know that a guy's there, and, and teams are going to be as, uh, as 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 take advantage of that in such a way and be as aggressive. I loved watching that from yeah. the standpoint of of a former pitcher who wanted to know where everyone was at all times. If there were three guys on, I wanted to know every one of their leads. Yeah, and he just got beat by a guy stealing home. That's <laughs> that's a tough way to go. That Nebraska- is. Nebraska had that tough Sunday game against uh, A&M Corpus Christi. I, I think I'd almost rather get blown out than to lose on a walk-off <laughs> stolen base of home. That's, yes. That's just me. But <laughs> All right, we've got a lot more to get to. We're going to talk with Jimmy Watkins from the Omaha World-Herald and, and final uh, a final wrap-up of Nebraska basketball season uh, a little bit, but also talking about what, what it stands as going forward because more roster movement both out and in. If you missed that, uh, we'll catch you up on uh, the comings and goings uh, for Husker Hoops. And uh, the Xavier Betts news, that's an evolving situation. We'll touch on that uh, as Nebraska spring football rolls along, uh, getting back at it after spring break. Plenty more to come here on the KLIN Husker Hour. Stay with us. 
giving you a complete review of the Huskers news this week. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1499.3 KLIN. KLIN Husker Hour here with you on your Saturday morning, the last one of March. This March Madness has been especially mad. Of course, Nebraska men did not get to partake. That's all right. That's... That's something that we're used to, unfortunately, around these parts. And uh, somebody who's just getting used to it, uh, Omaha World Herald's Jimmy Watkins, who's joining us now here on the KLI and Husker Hour. He's the beat writer for Husker Men. And uh, Moonlighted as the beat writer for the Creighton Men as they made their run through March and just about took down the last one seed stand in Kansas. Uh, Jimmy, thanks a lot for joining us this morning. How are you? I'm doing great, guys. It could have gotten real weird out there with with Creighton. You look at the way that bracket fell. With I think it's that the Elite Eight matchup is Kansas, who obviously Creighton uh, almost beat, and then it's Miami on the other side. It yeah. could have gotten weird out there. Well, and they'd have played Providence, a Big East rival, had they beaten Kansas too. Right, Pro- and they had beaten they they played Providence. They'd beaten Providence by like thirty points two weeks before that. So who knows, Jimmy? I've been to your your social media profile and it doesn't say it yet, but are you officially going to be changing it to Jasker beat writer? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I got enough. I got enough. I got enough flack from Nebraska fans as it was just being the, on the Creighton beat for two weeks, man. I will, I will not be, if I can help it, I will not try to wade my made into those Jasker waters anymore. We'll 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 steer this ship back to uh, back to Lincoln just to to keep you safe there. Uh, we we talked with Kent Pavelka last week about just kind of how the end of the season went and and how it was nice to to kind of end that on a on a relatively high note. Uh, just overall from start to finish, what was your impression of what that Nebraska ball season was? How it started, how it ended, all the just, I mean, injuries and, and close losses and blown leads and, and things of that nature. Just summarize what you thought of the season uh, overall for Husker Hoops. I would say that 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 little glimpse that we saw at the end, that light at the end of the at the tunnel, the three game win streak, was what it was what the parts were supposed to look like when everything was working. Uh, for many reasons that we we didn't get there very often last year um i think that if you take a look at what the preseason expectations were in some corners of of lincoln and the internet i I don't know if there's too many different ways to look at other than the season was a failure because they had a team that i think they thought internally certainly externally there was a lot of, of people who thought that that team could have at least been a bubble team or hanging around, climb a few rungs on the Big Ten. They didn't finish last in the Big Ten during the regular season for the first time under Hoiberg this year, so incremental progress is still progress. But, I mean, yeah, 10 wins. You got two first two seasons of, of seven wins. Now you have one of 10 wins. There's a reason there were staff changes. There's a reason that, that Hoiberg's contract was restructured and all that. This is – we are now into – the the seat is officially warm until it's not. That's where we are now. And now you've got the the roster movement of Bryce McGowan's declaring for the NBA, um, Trevor Lakes, Keon Edwards, and Eduardo Andre all searching for new homes. Um, just Jimmy, what what do you see from these moves and the incoming pieces? And um, there's a lot of off season left to go. Uh, we're only a couple weeks in here. 
Yeah, we haven't even gotten to the part where Derek Walker, Latman, and Trey McGowan's make their decisions. Yeah, those are, mm-hmm. those were the headline moves that I was expecting this offseason. Obviously, probably some portal stuff still to come too. But um, like on the on the transfers, real quick, um, Keon Edwards starts five games after after Trey goes down and, and didn't really do a ton with that opportunity. Um, I, I believe in, I still think the kid is really talented and, and can succeed somewhere, wherever else he goes. But those, these are just the facts of the situation. He didn't, he didn't do very much with that opportunity. Eduardo, I still think that there is a chance that he could have reached his potential at Nebraska. Um, I just, you know, I think that could be a situation where, Maybe he got a little bit in, impatient waiting for that for that opportunity to come. You know, Blaze Keto, I wrote a big story about today is coming next year. I think he might end up he, I think during the I know Fred was meeting with players last last week, so it's not surprising that, that Keon and, and Eduardo transferred then timing wise because he probably told them, Hey, here's what's coming in, here's where you guys may fall in the pecking order. And then they said, Okay, thank you, but we're gonna try our opportunity somewhere else. Um as far as the recruits go. I mean, I think that it should it should be mentioned that it was, it's impressive to retain an entire recruiting class when you part ways with the guy who recruited all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is a unique situation in that regard because both because Matt Abdel Massey is not looking to take those guys with him anywhere else, at least not right away. Um, I think Matt is sort of uh, taking a wait and see approach with the next step of, in his career, so he wasn't trying to steer them away. That helps Fred. Obviously, they're great friends. He's not going to badmouth Fred. And the reason, all the same reasons that those guys committed to Nebraska in the first place, those reasons are still there. Fred Hoiberg is still running um, an offense that approximates what you're going to see in the NBA. They're still playing fast. Um, there are still opportunities for a lot of these guys to play right away, not just with Blaze, but, you know, you look at all the backcourt guys they lost, guys like Ramel Lloyd and Jamarcus Lawrence, Denham Dawson, they're going to have opportunities to make impacts right away. So that's that's a good thing. And I think, um, I think the Lincoln kid, Sam Grizel, is also – a nice addition. Not that not often you see that kind of size coming out of the Summit League, six six two fifteen. That is I said this on the Pick Six podcast uh, at the World Herald yesterday. There are passing angles that Sam Grizel is going to be able to see that Alonzo Verge couldn't just by the sure virtue that he is three inches taller. <laughs> that it like it just it just is a, a big advantage to have a, a lead ball handler that has that kind of size. So I like what I've seen watching his tape. Um, his shooting numbers have steadily improved every year he was at North Dakota State. That's a good addition. I do think they still need another, you know, someone to fill the Bryce McGowan scoring slot, maybe not do the exact sort of things that Bryce can do. That's a big ask for anyone, mm-hmm. but that's, the kid scored 16.8 points per game. You can't just make that up out of nowhere. Yeah. Jimmy Watkins joining us here. And, and to your point about uh, your, your upcoming story from Blaze Cata, that's uh, something I'm looking forward to. Cause anytime you get a commitment from a guy named after an American gladiator, oh, yeah. you, you have to, <laughs> you have to learn more uh, about that guy's story. Um, looking at what the staff changes could end up doing for this program. Obviously, Matt Abdelmasi was leading the recruiting effort. Uh, Doc Sadler departs as well, and it sounds like his particular position may not be being filled or may not be, they may just not have that position going forward. Um, how does the, how does your perception of how the, the recruiting piece changes and any of the things that Doc Sadler was doing, where do those responsibilities end up falling? And and do you have any any leads on on what uh, direction Hoiberg may be looking in terms of that third assistant to replace Abdelmassi? 
These are these are excellent questions. And the other thing we need to mention here is that Armand Gates' brother was just hired at Missouri. Yeah. And he had a spot, he had a seat reserved for him at the introductory press conference down there. That now the reporters who were covering that press conference said not to, said that they were told by the Missouri folks to not read too much into that. We haven't heard anything about it yet. So maybe he was just there to support his brother, but that's on my radar as well. Um so you're saying stay tuned on that one. Perhaps, perhaps. I don't, we don't know, but right. we'll see. Um, as far as the recruiting strategy goes, I mean, normally if you, if you're getting rid of someone, like if, if it, it tends to follow that if you, if you fire an, an NFL head coach that was offensive, offensively oriented, you're going to hire a defensive guy, right? It just, that's, people tend to replace the guy that they just fired with an opposite. So if you're, we, we all know Matt Aldamassi was like the transfer portal king mm-hmm. and then Nebraska was leaning heavy into that, into that strategy during his, tenure at Nebraska. So that would lead me to believe that they are now going to take more of a grassroots approach to recruiting where you're going to try to have more for your guys on your roster and, and grow organically. You can't avoid the transfer portal in 2022. I don't think that's a realistic option, particularly when you're in a situation where you need to improve quickly. Yep. The, the, I've drawn this parallel many times, but the similarities between the Fred Hoiberg situation and the Scott Frost situation are are many and one of them is there's a high level of urgency for both to win fast so you do need to still use that transfer portal but i think even with this recruiting class i think matt even understood that they were going to try to pivot away from that strategy look at this one you know four four freshmen coming in and then blaze i guess isn't technically a freshman he's a juco kid but three freshmen and and blaze who's got three years to play at nebraska you can already see them the wheels starting to turn that way as far as names I don't, I don't know who, who could be filling these roles. I can give you a template for the kind of person that I think needs to fill this role. It's got to be someone who is a recruiting expert. Um, Fred has said in the past that he's not, he, he, it's not that he doesn't enjoy, you know, meeting with recruits families. I just don't, it's a grind on him. The traveling is a grind on him. There's already enough traveling going on with the season. He delegated a lot of those responsibilities to Abdul Massey. I think that it would, I presume that there will be someone to fill that void someone who handles those recruiting responsibilities, someone who has ties to the area, ideally someone who is maybe more of a, of a grassroots guy in that regard. And then Doc Sadler's role at Nebraska kind of muddied at the end, but yeah. like we all, we know Doc Sadler is a defensive expert and Fred comes from an NBA background, plenty of NBA um, coaching staffs have defensive coordinators. So whether that's the guy that they bring in to be the recruiter is also a defensive expert, or, you know, if Armand Gates leaves, they replace him with a defensive expert or, or, or Armand or Nate Lenzer take over that responsibility. I mean, basketball is basketball. Like you, if you can coach offense, you coach defense. <laughs> Fred, Fred could be, could decide up and decide, I'm going to focus on the defensive side of the ball next year. But that, that tends to be a duty that is delegated to somebody. It is an identified duty of someone's job. So I would expect that, someone will have more hands on the defense next year as well. You talked about the recruiting a little bit, and I'm interested in that part because one of the critiques, and I've had it as a critique too, um, because you can look at the men's team and the women's team and how much connection the state has to said teams. When you see the women's team be so successful, and you've got some homegrown talent there, you've got some impact freshmen starting through the season, you've got someone from the city starting who's a legacy, and you see the success that that team has. Then you look at the men's team and you go, oh, the only 
the only Nebraska kids that they have are walk-ons. The only Nebraska kid that they've had that wasn't a walk-on was a call a rope a few years ago. And he was only here for that, what, two seasons? Yeah. And played sparingly, um, was injured. Um, but now you're getting you're getting Greasel coming in as a transfer. They just had the Ashland Greenwood kid in on a Kale Jacobson. Yeah, on a on a visit. He scored forty some in the tournament. Mm-hmm. Um and there's been so much talent that has left the state. We saw a bunch of Nebraska products play in the NCAA tournament. Do you see more of an emphasis on really going after trying to keep some of that homegrown talent here? I would say that I don't know that there was ever not an emphasis on it, but I do think it could have been emphasized more mm-hmm. for sure. I mean, you look at uh, that's that's what people around the state have said when I wrote the Chucky Hepburn story earlier this season. That's what um, that's what Chucky's coach at Bellevue West said. That's what his dad said. There's certainly whether whether Nebraska agrees with it or not. There is certainly a perception around the state that they could have been doing more to invest in the in-state uh, recruiting trail in the in the pr- first few years of the Hoiberg tenure. I think. I know for a fact that they have, have made it sort of part of Nate Lenzer's um, ledger to be the Nebraska in-state contact, and they sent him out to a bunch of, of prep games this year. Coaches are getting to know him a lot better. I think it was him him who posted uh, who posed with a photo with Jacobson mm-hmm. on the visit to Nebraska. Yeah. So that's something that's progress having. Um, having Griezel on the team next year, a kid who's not only from Lincoln, but like this guy talked to him earlier this week, this kid like bleeds Nebraska ball. Like he, uh-huh. his, he, he was telling me a story about how when Tony, he, he dapped up Tony McRae at a basketball camp when he was middle school and like it made his entire life. And he described guys like guys like Lance Jeter, Cookie Miller, um, the late Dylan Talley as like superheroes to him. So this is a kid who you're going to see it next year how much it matters to to a kid from Nebraska to play for Nebraska and that that having that person in a high profile role i think that can make a difference too cuz i mean it's not that kids like Bryce McGowan and Alonzo Verge didn't take pride in playing for Nebraska but there's a, there's you guys understand this there's a different pride when you know the the name that's on the front of your jersey is the name you grew up watching on television your mm-hmm. whole life and introduced you to basketball. So I think that's going to make a difference as well. And I I thought I remembered hearing Matt Abdul Massey on Sports Nightly talk about recruiting and talk about how if there were similar skill sets, it didn't matter to them as a staff if the player was from Brooklyn or from Bertrand. Like like they if it was a similar skill sets and they could get the commitment, it wasn't that they were going to take the in-state guy over the other guy, but you saw so many times that it was the other guys that were becoming the commitments here. Yeah, I mean, I think Matt was was pretty blunt about the fact that he he didn't think that there was any uh, tweaking that needed to be done or, or any, maybe, I mean, I, I think there could always be tweaking many um, significant changes that needed to be made to Nebraska's mm-hmm. recruiting strategy while he was here. And, you know, if you look by the numbers, he did recruit the best class in Nebraska history since they've had the rankings. He did recruit the third best recruiting class in Nebraska history. The talent didn't gel though. And, you, you know, is, is there something to, the idea that if you if you keep if you pick from far and wide and you maybe are more focused on on talent than fit that there that is natural for there to be some um disjointedness in the in the strategy i think that's the the case that a lot of people made i think that's 
um, probably part of the rationale for, for Matt being no longer with the program, but you're right. It, they were, they have come out, they've, they've spoken with their chest out, I will say about how they recruit and the numbers back them up. The results haven't. So, mm-hmm. you know, maybe try something different and, it's, it doesn't hurt to garner support from your fan base to to dip into the homegrown town a little bit more. Well, we're uh, we're all glad that you're not in the transfer portal that you're that you're sticking <laughs> with your commitment to the Nebraska beat. And no, not he the he, beat. he dipped his toe into the well, sea of yeah. blue. Right, but I came back. Yeah, I came back. <laughs> he emerged, maybe a little bit bruised, maybe a little bit battered, but he's still here with us. Jimmy Watkins, Omaha World Herald, uh, talking Husker hoops. Jimmy, thanks a lot for the time. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Thanks, guys. You too. All right. There he goes, Jimmy Watkins. And yeah, that, it, it, I'm really fascinated by how they do fill those those roles on the staff. And, yeah. and we talked about the the change in philosophy on in terms of recruiting with Abdel Masi departing. I mean, that's going to be it's going to change in some way, mm-hmm. um, whether that's more involvement for Fred Hoiberg or not. I don't know, but I think it probably would be, um, especially if you're going to skew more towards a, a high schooler. Uh, because you're you're going to want to know who the head guy is if if that's where you're considering going, and I'm to just be honest, you're not considering going for four years anymore. You're going to start your college career anymore with the transfer. You know, like that's that's more more likely than not the the route you're going to take if you're a college basketball player in 2022. Yeah, and you you had as as we talked about the number of guys that played in the NCAA tournament, um, and you see that Gonzaga's out. But they had the top recruit um, out of the state of Nebraska with Hunter Salas. Yep, he didn't really play. No, like like he went to Gonzaga and developed. Hmm. There are plenty of places that I, I don't know what the recruiting pitches are, but he would have played for Nebraska. Yes, he, even even <laughs> he, even with there being the talent at, that, that that Nebraska had on paper, Hunter Salas would have came in and played. Yes, he would have played alongside Bryce McGowan's. All season, and and the fact that you had the the injury to Trey, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, they they would have needed somebody to step in, and they they tried to fill that role with Keon Edwards. They tried yeah. to fill that role with Kiese Tomanaga. They they tried to fill that role with a number of guys. Um, Chucky obviously went, got all the run at Wisconsin. Yes. So so you can't like there are some guys that you can look and say, could they have had a bigger role, and would even them coming to Nebraska and developing have been better for Nebraska? Frankie Fiddler. When played for Loyola, would it have been better for Nebraska if they were able to get him to come here? You mean St. Thomas? St. Thomas. Frankie's at UNO. Well, even even Fiddler at, sure, at, at sure. UNO, but yeah, yeah, yeah. St. Thomas. Right. Yep. Um, yep. Both of those guys. Would, would it have been better for Nebraska to have them here and developing and getting some minutes? And one of their teammates from Millard North, Jason Green... Committed to Creighton. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it's look, there's a there's a lot that you can do in state recruiting wise. We've talked about the difference between how the women and the men have, have built their programs. Uh, you saw it last night with Creighton women. Uh, Morgan Molly, I think is her name from yeah, Crete. From Crete. What she dropped 30 yeah, yesterday on I Iowa remember, State. I remember watching her play in the state tournament here. Yeah. And it was insane to just just watch. I mean, it's a lot of the, the same one we watched Fremont's Taylor McCabe here a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. You just see a different level of athlete. And that's what that's what Molly was, and that's what she is for Creighton right now. Then obviously you got to fill in with some other pieces, mm-hmm. some other Nebraska pieces, some some transfers. Obviously they had the Iowa transfer who who hit the big shot at Hawker uh, at Carver Hawkeye Arena yep. um, last round. You've got to have 
the pieces that go there, but it means something a little bit more when you can get those home state kids to come in and whether they start right away, a la Alexis Markowski, who worked into a starting role, and then Allison Widener later in the season, Mm. or they've gotten some run and they're developing a walk-on like Whitney Brown, who you know, like even in the NCAA tournament, oh, there's foul trouble. She needs to go get a few minutes. You put her out there and you can trust her because she's yeah. come into the program and it means something. Yeah. Nebraska hasn't had that for a while. Last time the men made the tournament, 2014, you didn't have an in-state guy. You had Deverell Biggs, but he was a transfer. He was started at Omaha Central, went away, came back. Was off the team by the time they made that run at the end of the year. But you did have Siobhan Shields as a sophomore who started as a freshman. Legacy, dad played football here from the Kansas City area, wasn't far I, you know, does it matter that it means more to them? I think it does a little bit, and maybe that's the, that's the edge that you need to win some of those close games. It's not going to magically going to mean, hey, recruit more Nebraska kids from high schools, and you're going to make the tournament and finally win a game there. That's not, the, that's not going to happen as a direct straight line. But it can be a contributing factor, and since, it, since you haven't tried that, you might as well try that now. Because nothing else has worked. And this obviously goes pre-Hoiberg, but since the 1988-89 season, how many Nebraska kids do you think have been on the roster? Not just scholarship, but have just been on the roster. That's 32, 33 seasons. Oh, geez. Well, I mean, at least probably double two, two players on the roster per season, at least, I would say. So, I don't know, give me 65. 58 oh, is where you're at. Okay. How many from the city of Lincoln? Ooh, not a lot. Four. Eight. Okay. Because yeah. you've got... Muleheisen. Well, you've got your walk-ons from Pius, Charlie Easley, Sam oh, Hoiberg. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, okay. But, yeah, if you go LPS... <laughs> not a lot. And you got to imagine that that contributes a little bit yeah. to, to the program that you haven't had the development out of, out of the LPS schools. Yeah. And Donovan Williams from North Star is in the portal right now. Mm-hmm. I don't know that he's a target for this staff, right. but there's an LPS kid who's went to Oklahoma State, was there for a couple years, got an injury, I believe. But uh, yeah, it's that's an evolving uh, situation. We'll continue to. Muleheisen is the last right. LPS kid to start, and his and he and uh, Wes Wilkinson and Jason DeRusso back in the early 2000s. Yep. Those are the last Nebraska high school kids to be offered scholarships and come to Nebraska. It has been that long since I was in high school. Well, and un- unfortunately, that is a long time ago. I thought, I thought uh, did BJ Day not have a scholarship offer? Mm-hmm. Or I thought there was one in around 2011 that had a scholarship offer. No. We'll, we'll keep this conversation okay. going during the yeah. We got more to talk about. We're going to hit the Xavier Bed situation when we come back here on the KLIN Husker Hour. Husker football, basketball, baseball, and beyond. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on 1499.3 KLIN. Our thanks to Jimmy Watkins from the Omaha World Herald just joining us to talk Nebraska basketball, kind of wrap up the season from last year and, and preview a little bit more of what's going to happen with this roster, with this coaching staff. If you missed any of that or any other parts of our show, you can go over to the podcast page at KLIN.com. You can always catch up on at KLIN Huskers on Facebook as well. That's where we are right now, live with video, courtesy of Kenny Larrabee. Thanks, Kenny, for getting us on the Facebook Live, as always. Uh, one of the news items that came out of Nebraska 
football this week, other than Bill Bush likes special teams a lot. Well, he what? he's he's talked about that before, but yeah, it, it just gets reiterated every single time. Yes, it's it's very clear, very obvious. They, they've got somebody in charge who's going to prioritize that over nothing else uh, or over everything else. Uh, one of the news items that came out that is is pretty important, I think, to the status of of this offense in 2022 yeah. is the news that Xavier Betts is, and I want you you probably have more of the direct quote, not currently with. The program, it's not a no longer is with the program, or he's left the program. It's not currently with the program. Is that is that the way he phrased it? He's not with the program right now. Follow yeah. up, follow up. He's not with the program. Follow up, follow up. Doesn't matter. He's not with the program. There you go. Yeah, that's that's all the context. That's right essentially there. how it went. Yeah. yeah. Sam McEwen kept pushing him on him. Uh-huh. And that like it was Sam was doing a great job rewording the questions. Right. And Frost was just batting it away. Each one said, not with the program. Yeah. And and so the if if you want a more in depth and and uh coming from a place with a lot more direct knowledge of the situation, um our sister station sixteen twenty, their morning show guys, Gary Sharp and Damon Benning, have their podcast called We've Got a Podcast, which is a great name for a podcast. And uh that's about twenty minutes and that goes uh, a lot more specifics into the situation with Xavier. Um I'll say this the fact that Frost said it that way and phrased it that way and left it at that. It makes it clear to me that the door is still open to Xavier Betts in terms of being a part of the football program. And that maybe it was, I mean, it, it, whether it's Xavier's, it sounds like it's Xavier's choice to, to not be with the team this week. Mm-hmm. The last thing that he was involved in was the, I guess, a wide receiver meeting on Sunday. Before they came back for for uh, working out on Monday morning, at, he was in like, a bunch of highlight videos, break. right? Already this spring, right? Right. I mean, look, he's <laughs> you don't have a lot of experience at that wide receiver <laughs> position. Um, you got Oliver Martin and Wyatt Lever and Xavier Betts and Omar Manning in terms of guys that have, I mean, highlights from in a game. Mm-hmm. So you're 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 thin there in terms of in-game experience playing against Big Ten and Power Five competition. Xavier Betts had that big touchdown against Oklahoma. He had the uh, the one against Penn State last year or two years ago, I should say, uh, in 2021 or no, excuse me, 2020 that that got Nebraska their their first win of the season uh, in that uh, that reverse or uh, jet sweep. So he's a talented player, and he has produced against good teams. Mm-hmm. So the fact that his status is up in the air, I think is a big deal. You, you like some of the other guys you have at wide receiver, but you can't replace experience until you start playing in games and you don't want to have to rely on guys who've never done it before. When, as we've mentioned, this is kind of an important start to a season because if you get off to a poor start, it could portend another losing season, and then you're kind of changing everything all over again. Mm-hmm. And we just talked about with basketball having your in-state guys that yes. that, that can that can develop. Um, that Why can, all these can... Bellevue West guys got to be leaving me? Come on, Jalen Bradley at running back, and now Xavier Betts. Stick around, guys. Come on, help me um, out here. So those are the guys that you need to develop within your program. Those yeah. are the guys that. You hear about it all the time, how much more it means to grow up in Nebraska and cheer for this team. Um, or if you grew up 
within the region, but you have Nebraska ties, whatever it is. Yeah. It's a big deal to have those ties. Um, just listen to any time Garrett Nelson talks mm-hmm. like that. Like you can talk all the guys in the nineties, but there is something within Garrett Nelson's blood that is Nebraska football. Yes. Anytime he talks, he is, he's the spirit of Nebraska football with his love for the game, with his love for the program. But when you start to have those guys and like you can't be consistent on getting the talent, that is a big deal. Um, and there's going to be recruiting classes that you're, you're going to miss some guys on. Mm. Because sometimes a guy, I was the same way coming out of high school. I wanted to just go somewhere else. Like I wanted to get out of the state. I wanted to see right. something different. Right. Um, there are some guys that are like that. They want to go to a Pac-12 school because they want to just be on the West Coast. Cool. There are some guys that want to go to an SEC school because they want to be in the South. Cool. One of the guys from Bellevue West, Caden Helms, I believe. There, there were two tight ends at West that went to uh, power schools. Mm-hmm. Auburn's one of them. You know, right. So, yeah. yeah, like those to me make sense. Yep. The number of guys you lose to Iowa. The, the, the number of times you see... Programs come in, like an Ohio State or a Wisconsin. Bryson Williams to Wisconsin, Lincoln kid, like, D-tackle. Like, that. you see those. Yep. Um, Zane Flores, Gretna, right now getting a whole bunch of hype. Yeah, everywhere. Um, Washington, the the defending champs, Georgia as well, offered. Um, or no, that's sorry, that was Miles Kai that Coleman. Was, that was Miles Kai yeah, Coleman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but Ohio State was Zane Flores. Ohio State, yeah, yeah. That's um, right. So, you see the, that there is talent here that other programs that you directly compete against. Yes, you're competing against the SEC and the Pac-12 and the Big 12 for recruits. Mm -hmm. But you are directly competing against the Big 10 schools every year in games. You have to beat them out on recruiting. And when your in-state kids are good enough to go play at those programs and do... That is a like losing to the Big Ten schools in recruiting to me is a bigger miss than anyone going anywhere else. Mm. And now you've got an in-state kid who's had a bunch of talent, and we've talked about over his first couple years why isn't he on the field more? Okay, he didn't know enough of the playbook, but then suddenly he does know enough of it to be out there. Then he'll make a big play, and then you won't see him for a few games, and he won't get targeted. Like, what was was he good enough to be out there, or was he not? Could you not script enough things to get him? Get him the ball because you could obviously script enough for um, Samari Toure to get enough touches when it was pretty much the offense was Wandale Robinson. You could script enough for him to get a bunch of touches. Mm-hmm. Xavier Betts and whatever the issues are, him or the program or miscommunications on stuff, whatever it is, if he's not back next year, that is a miss for the program because he was underutilized in his time here. And I was hoping when you had the little bit of the regime change on the offensive side of the ball that Mark Whipple was going to get him the ball more, that um, he was going to be able to work with his new wideouts coach, that everything was going to go well, and now there's this hiccup in the middle of spring ball. Yeah, yeah, and and there's uh, other hiccups in terms of injuries uh, that I guess – Maybe all four of your top tight ends are yep. out right now, so you, you've got mm-hmm. walk-ons in those tight end hype videos now, which is fine. Some of those guys are, are still pretty decent players. Nate Borkircher actually played in games last year and could again this year. Yeah, uh, but but to to have 
a non-injury type situation like this is disappointing. Uh, you hope that whatever is the issue can be rectified because number one, he is a talented player. Number two, he has experience. And yeah, to your th- to your point on number three, he is an in-state kid. And if you have success on the field with somebody from the Omaha metro area, while Bellevue is still the third largest city in the state, by the way. My wife always calls it Omaha. It's Omaha. I'm a fighter. I'll fight you too. <laughs> that is important to see. You, you need to see those guys succeed so that the other guys in the Omaha Metro, like the top four recruits from this last year, all of those guys went elsewhere um, and for various reasons, yes, mm-hmm. but that's important too. You want to have those guys make an impact and and then go back to those commu- the community there in Omaha area to, to, to show them Hey, you can make an impact at Nebraska. You can do what you want to do. You can accomplish your goals at Nebraska. Um, and and the last part I'll say on this, the fact that you have a different offensive staff, you have a different OC, uh, but more importantly for this situation, you have a different wide receivers coach. Uh, and fair or not, I, I think Mickey Joseph is more likely to have uh, a better relationship with Xavier Betts than Matt Lubick. Yeah. Matt Lubick, to me, seemed more like a guy who's in the playbook as opposed to making relationships and, and trying to impact uh, a, a w- the way that you can relate to a guy on the field. Fair or not, that's kind of my perception. Mm-hmm. That's kind of backed up by a lot of the things that folks have said. And so Mickey Joseph's impact here, he can play a role in getting Xavier back um, I, I would imagine that he's had a role in, in you know, relating to Xavier and, and trying to get him to, you know, maybe maybe he's holding him to a higher standard, and that's uncomfortable mm-hmm. for Xavier to endure. And and maybe there's something else going on. I don't know. Um, but the fact that he's here and, and Mickey Joseph has had success with other very talented wide receivers at other stops, that's important and that's helpful and and that gives you some. Uh, hopefully some optimism that they can fix it and, and that, that that can be a, yeah. a reason for him to stay and, and come back and be a part of this program going forward. Hope the situation gets rectified because I like watching Xavier play the play the game of football. Yes. He, he, he's great in a Husker uniform. He's really fun to interact with. Absolutely. And, and you hope that he can be here uh, to, to, part, to be part of a, a successful team finally under Scott Frost and, uh, and that he can be a big part of that. All right. We're back to wrap this show up and get you ready for the weekend right after this here on the KLIN Husker Hour. Your Saturday morning source for everything Huskers is right here. You're listening to the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1499.3 KLIN. As we mentioned earlier, Nebraska baseball's got a big weekend. They've got the Friday night win. They're going to have two more chances here and uh, a chance to win the opening Big Ten series of the mm-hmm. season right here in Lincoln. First pitch today's at 2, so your pregame's yep. right here on KLIN at 1.30. Shea Shanneman's going to be taking the mound, and then tomorrow it's Dawson McCarville, 11 a.m. Ooh, some morning baseball. Give brunch. me that brunch at the ballpark. That's got to be a promotion they've got to be working on. Brunch at the ballpark. And yeah, if you want a breakfast pizza, whatever. You can get some you can get some breakfast pizza for for, for tomorrow at 11 a.m. Yeah. If you're into that kind of thing. I I, I hey, I brought some for you this morning and you I, had it. I ate it. Yeah. Mr. Mr. I hate breakfast pizza. It was what was that your number two? That was my number one. That was your number one. Yeah, on is... things that that other people like that I just don't understand. Um, earlier on LNK today with Jack and friends, I think. I can't remember that top five Tuesday. That might be coming up in Best of LNK today. Here this next hour. That seg- oh good. That uh, that segment might be on there. Um, 
That but took on a life of its own on social media. It did. Thank you, for Omaha. All the, for Thank all you, the Omaha guys. Thanks, friends, at 1620. For all the crap that Jimmy Watkins took for co- covering <laughs> Creighton for a hot minute, you took probably double that for not liking breakfast pizza. I had a lot of friends come out. There are dozens of us, all right? <laughs> dozens! Apparently there's more. I'm outnumbered in this studio right now because Kenny is on Team Caleb here with not liking breakfast pizza. What is wrong with you people? It's delicious! I ate it just like when I was at my you when did. I was at my cousin's house and they made a salad. I'm not a salad guy, but guess what? They made it. I used to not be a salad guy. I'm not but now rude. I am. And you know what? You aren't a pizza guy, a breakfast pizza guy now. I'm gonna stick. I'm gonna stick with it. I'm a pizza at breakfast guy, not a breakfast pizza guy. Husker baseball at two today and 11 a.m. tomorrow. <laughs> all right, it. That's yeah, it. that's Huskers. That's all we got. KLI and Husker Hour. We'll see you next week. Stay tuned all week for Caleb and Jack <laughs> on LNK Today with Munch Madness stuff. It's always going on, and it's good stuff. Go vote at KLIN.com. All right. Go Big Red.